0: So the oral microbiome is the community of bacteria, fungi and viruses that live in your mouth. Well, it turns out that these microbes are associated with not only oral health, like cavities and gum disease, but also systemic health, cardiovascular disease, colon cancer, even Alzheimer's disease. There are potentially microbial components and those microbes that live in your mouth actually have substantial effect on progression of those diseases and
1: your risk of those diseases. Hi everyone, Dr. B here again. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ask the Dentist. Uh, today is has a video portion to it and I encourage you to listen and watch the video portion. Certainly the audio portion is interesting enough, but today we are very lucky to have again, Dr. David Lynn, PhD, the uh, Chief Scientific Officer at Bristol. And we're gonna be talking about how to interpret why we should test our oral microbiome and then how to interpret the results. A lot of you have tested, and I think that's wonderful. I think that's great that you're interested and that you're doing that. You're, you're going to get a lot of information. You're going to save yourself a lot of money and a lot of time. And you're going to learn a lot about your your oral health. Uh, and not only that but your systemic health uh you know your predisposition to alzheimers to gum disease as you get older a lot of great information uh, just by spitting into a little vial so so but today we want to focus on what to do with the results that's always the crux uh, we've got a great test we have uh the first high resolution shotgun kind of testing of all 700 plus bacteria in the mouth and more, and and Bristol provides that. But what do you do with that information? And how does it convert into actual actions, uh, behaviorally? But also, what products do you use? Uh, there's so many things in in our environment and in our lifestyle. Diet is another one. Uh, environmental pollutants, uh, bad dentistry, toxic dentistry, uh, even fluoride. There's some new research on fluoride and, and its effects on biomes. In animals and in humans as well. So, you know what what's wrong with our oral microbiome, and what can we do? What can we eliminate? What can we add? How can we fix the oral microbiome? So, uh, again, David, thanks for joining us today. I see you as as many do, one of the experts in the oral microbiome. You're certainly fronting the leader in testing on the oral microbiome. You've got a background in gut microbiome. Thank goodness you switched to oral microbiome. Uh-huh sake of all of us. And you've got a PhD, you've done research, you've helped write 11 peer-reviewed publications, I think six as the first author, and you are working on more. I know you are, you're a busy guy. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's always my pleasure.
1: <clears throat> so let's start off with just kind of a quick, you know, what's new in the oral microbiome? What is the oral microbiome? And then of course, We'll segue into why test for it. And then we'll really focus the, the rest of the hour on, on how to, well, how to get the test. Certainly, that, that's easy. That takes minutes. How to take the test, that takes minutes. And then, but what to do with the results. And we're actually going to go over some results. That's why I mentioned yes. there's a, a, a video portion to this that would be interesting for people to see, especially for people that have already tested. Certainly, people that are going to test once they hear this. So, so let's start with, uh, okay, oral microbiome. What's what's the big deal? What is it? And why should we test it? Yeah, so the oral microbiome is the community
0: of bacteria, fungi, and viruses, of course, that live in your mouth. And at Bristol, we actually we sample the salivary microbiome. So this is the, the bacteria and viruses and, and fungi that are shed in your saliva. And the way we do this is we look at all the DNA from all the, all the microbes there so that we can tell what microbes are living in the spaces in your mouth. And why is this so important? Well, it turns out that these, uh, these microbes are associated with not only oral health, so things like cavities and gum disease, both caused by bacteria, but also systemic health. So it turns out that cardiovascular disease, colon cancer, even Alzheimer's disease, there are potentially microbial components. And those microbes uh, that live in your mouth actually have a substantial effect on, on progression of those diseases and your risk of those
1: diseases. And things are changing rapidly. I mean, I don't think we want to, you know, think of the oral microbiome as just a small player. We know it's the second most diverse. It's linked with all the other biomes. We all get, most of us understand that the gut microbiome is a big player, but the oral microbiome, there's there's a new study out. I think I shared it with you um, on how as simple as a oral microbiome dysbiosis, which I would say is 50 to 60, maybe even 70 Percent of us, especially after age 50, 55, we have an oral dysbiosis in our mouth. Uh, one of the manifestations of that is the number one disease in the world, uh, tooth decay, uh, periodontal disease is not that far behind, a uh, huge cytokine inflammatory chronic autoimmune disease in the body that reaches out to all other parts of the body and affects it in many ways is a causative factor in, uh, in Alzheimer's, for example. So the study talks about just to make it even more exciting for all of us, or or dire, is that there's this now this link now to psychiatric disorders, mm-hmm. uh, even bipolar disease, uh, correlating to an oral dysbiosis. So this this bunch of bacteria and fungi and yeast cells in our mouth, is pretty pretty important. And of course, we've been trying to knock it down and disinfect it for over a century, actually longer. And, and thank goodness you've done research and supporting the fact that we need to nourish this oral microbiome. Mm-hmm. So obviously, it's important. It's a big player in terms of our existence and our healthcare destiny, and, and even our mental uh, makeup, our, our mental yeah. framework, and and happiness, and and all of that. So so certainly a big deal. Okay, so let's talk about testing. Obviously, I think most people would know at this point why you would want to test that and quantify it, but what does that look like? What are we quantifying? And then, of course, we're going to get into what do we do with those results, but what actually are we measuring and why yeah. is there is there... Are we measuring the correct thing, for example? I just want to be you know, devil's advocate here. I mean, are, are we doing the right thing?
0: Yeah, really good question. So... I'm going to take a step back and talk about older forms of testing to kind of give a framework of where we are today versus where we were maybe 30 years ago. Perfect. Okay, so way back when, actually probably 100 years ago, dentists and, and people knew that bacteria could cause gum disease and cavities. And the reason we knew this was because actually Anton van Leeuwenhoek, who uh, invented the microscope, of course, was the first person who scraped someone's cavity, put it under a microscope and said, looks like there's worms in here. This person has worms that are digging into their teeth and are causing cavities. And of course, when they scraped healthy plaque, they didn't find any of those worms. They found a different morphology of bacteria. And they said, look, these are very different. It must be worms that are causing cavities. Um, And since then, like we've known there's a microbial component, but we could never see exactly what it was until recently because of the advent of uh, molecular biology techniques such as sequencing. Um, So... Probably 50 years ago, uh, we first were able to really look at some of these microbes by actually doing culturing. So way back when sometimes uh, dentists or or practitioners, they would take some infected tissue or or swab an infected region and put it on a Petri dish and they would just see what would grow. And they would say, okay, because of the way that these things are growing and and if we do biochemical properties on them and we grow them in different types of media and see their behaviors, you can say, okay, this microbe here is probably strep mutans and that's why you have this cavity and the the way we can fix it is by getting rid of the strep mutans. or, you know, in gum disease, similarly, you can say, okay, this person has a lot of and gingivalis, or this person has a lot of tannerella forsythia, so we can use different antimicrobials based on what the, the microbes were. And of course, this was not a quantitative approach, because you're just using observational data. You're saying, okay, I saw something from a swab that I put on a petri dish, and I figured out what it was. Fast forward now, maybe another 10 years, we started to understand that bacteria actually have DNA. Right. Bacteria and viruses and fungi, they all have nucleic acids in them. And this is uh, the same across all life forms on earth. It turns out that you can look at that nucleic acid for bacteria. You can look at the DNA and you can say, what type of microbe is this because of the DNA that it has? This is a very targeted approach where we can, uh, instead of swabbing it and putting it on a plate, now we can take that swab and we can break open all the bacterial cells that are in there, and we get the DNA, and then we can use molecular approaches to say what's in there versus uh, maybe what's not in there. And so this approach is really a detection versus non-detection, it's not very quantitative, but you don't need to do swabbing. You don't actually need to do observations. You can actually do a, a diagnostic approach to look for stripping tans, to look for PG, uh, to look for different types of pathogens. Okay, And this is, of course, very targeted. Yeah, uh, In this diagnostic approach, you can't look at everything. You can only look at maybe a few dozen things at the very most. But back then, you would probably only do like three different things. Uh, that approach was called quantitative PCR, which of course is still... Very relevant today, but it doesn't give you a very good picture of what's actually going on in the mouth because you're missing a lot of other information. You're only looking very targeted. It's like if you went out into the garden and you're you could only see orange, then you can only count the oranges, but you know how many other trees there are. There's other apple trees and there's there's cherries, and you're completely missing the forest for the trees, basically. So fast forward a little bit farther, we came, we we invented, molecular biologists invented a new approach of looking at all the bacteria in a sample and the way they did this is it turns out all bacteria have very conserved areas in their dna and they uh they developed a technique to look at all these conserved areas and and to determine what kinds of bacteria are in a community okay so instead of a very targeted approach now we're just looking kind of broadly but only broadly at bacteria Now instead of uh, only having uh, eyes that can see orange, now your eyes can see multiple different colors. And all of a sudden you can see the different trees that are in your garden. You can see all the apples. You can, you can kind of count the ratio of the oranges to the apples. You can count the ratio of cherries to, you know, the rest of the things in the garden. But this approach is still missing a few things. The first is it doesn't actually tell you what type of orange. Of course, we have different types of oranges. We have a navel orange, or we have clementines, and we have sumo oranges. And this 16S approach doesn't allow you to look at what type of orange, it only says you have an orange. Come to today at Bristol, we use what is uh, the most up-to-date technology, I would say is, is the highest resolution, most powerful technology we have, which is called shotgun metagenomics and this looks at everything. So instead of just looking at whether or not you have oranges, apples, and cherries, we're looking at the parts of the apple. We're looking at the parts of the oranges and saying what? how many seeds are in each of these oranges and how many seeds are in each of these apples? What strain of apple is this? What flavor profile? We're looking at everything we possibly can to get as much information about all the things in your garden. So it's not just bacteria as well. In this technology, we can capture things like viruses. We can capture things like viruses. And we kind of have an idea of what they're doing because of their flavor profiles. We can see very deeply into how they behave. And so at Bristol, we use this technology because it is the one that gives the most information.
1: Given that analogy, uh, or, or maybe another analogy, what I like about where we're at with testing is that it, it is a positive identification of a specific Species—it's like a thumbprint for a human being. We're all individual, you know. And I know a thumbprint is not DNA, but it is a manifestation of DNA, DNA. and yep. it gives positive ID. So, so that tells us exactly what is in our mouth mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the biome. Uh, how do you measure quantity? Or That's I mean, each, each bug has a different colony count. Uh, yeah. How is that measured? That's a really good question. So.
0: Uh, at Bristol, we use a thing called relative abundance. What this means is that uh, we're actually measuring parts of a pie. So if all the microbes in your mouth basically sum up 100% of a pie and your your mouth is the pie, we can say, hey, this much of your mouth is is colonized by some species. And this amount of your mouth is colonized by orange trees, this type of orange. This part of your mouth is this type of apple. And the reason we do this is because there's actually very important interactions that happen between microbes that relative abundance gives a very good picture of. Okay. So you can imagine two different species that are, I'll call them antagonistic. Okay. So something like Streptococcus gordonii versus Strep mutans, right? If you measured the absolute abundance of both of these. Okay. And let's say strep mutans is at five and strep is at five. This is like total number of bacteria, exactly the number. If we measured those, we would say there's a one to one ratio. And you would say maybe you don't actually have an idea of this is, if this is dysbiotic or not. But if, if I tell you that this is dysbiotic, really you want a lot less strep mutans. Okay. The only reason we know that is because we're actually looking at the ratios of those bacteria, right? If I just look at streptococcus mutans by itself and just say you have five of these that doesn't actually tell you the picture of their streptococcus gordonii in your mouth maybe you have a hundred of it and that's right. actually helping to to prevent strep mutans from causing damage to your enamel you're completely missing that picture if you don't get a comprehensive view and you use you know the the pie as an example where um you know the amount of sugar in the pie ratio to the amount of salt is actually very important for its composition.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're referring to modulation and it's, Mm -hmm. that's always been the case with the biomes. It's what, who's your neighbor? I mean, Mm -hmm. and what do they have on this bug? And so we're going to talk about that because that has a lot to do with how to interpret the results. Uh, One last question before we do that, David, Um, you know, you, you kind of nicely went through that uh, timeline of, you know degree of resolution and and over time that was about a span of 200 years i think <laughs> um, and it's funny we've we've only really gotten really good at it in the last 20 30 years um, is there by chance any as a researcher as a scientist is there any is there any degree of higher resolution yes that you're still wanting or needing or would like to see and and what does that look like what is what is the next test so there is one more deeper level.
0: Ah. Uh, So as I described, we can kind of get an idea of the seeds and the flavor profile of each of the oranges and apples. Okay, but what if you could actually reconstruct all of them? What if you can say, okay, we don't just know the flavor profile, we also know exactly how you make this microbe, right? Make this orange from from when it was a bud on the the tree all the way until it became the orange. That would tell you a lot of information, right? And the only way we get there is by even deeper sequencing. So uh, at Bristol, we use shotgun metagenomics, um, but we use very shallow level. Um, mm-hmm. And so this, this the, the reason we do this is for for cost, because it's mm-hmm. it's very expensive to do deep sequencing. Right. Uh, but we try to provide it to to our customers at uh, at as low as a cost as as is possible to get information, right. um, to get the minimal amount of information that is actually useful, but of course. If we got ten times the amount of information, if we got, if we actually understood, you know, the entire, all the functions of every microbe in your mouth, then we can get a much better picture of what they're really doing. Uh, right now, we sometimes we kind of have to guess. So, uh, just for instance, uh, we may capture a piece of DNA uh, from *P. gingivalis* that encodes one of its um, one of its virulence factors. Okay, right. and *P. gingivalis* may have twenty virulence factors. But we're only picking up one of them because we don't actually have a whole picture. We're only looking at like one of the seeds in peach and as an orange. So we can kind of infer, hey, maybe there are these other 19 there, but we're not really sure. And that's, that's kind of the next level. It's like we really right. know that you have these types
1: of virulence factors in your mouth. Um, right. And I mean, just to be clear, now that we're talking about... Not degree of accuracy because the information you're getting is very accurate. Uh, but the degree of resolution, how many levels, how many layers of the onion are you peeling away? Um, Bristol is right now on the market, the most high res sophisticated. I, w- I don't want to say sophisticated, but the best test out there mm-hmm. in terms of the information that you get because it, it, it casts a wider net. A lot. There are some other tests out there. Uh, they've been in use for about. I want to say 10, 15 years, but they're only looking for five or six bugs and they're only looking for bugs that would, you know, like the strep bugs or a P. gingivalis bug, just, just the, the bugs that are the bad boys. And, and that, that really is a very dangerous way of making clinical decisions based on just a few players. And, and as you were inferring the complexity of the oral microbiome. Like virulence factors, you know, if if we were seeing one, but there are eighteen others, twenty other virulence factors. It's all about how these bugs interconnect and how they control each other, modulate each other, boost each other, help each other, control their populations. And so we're we're still kind of at the beginning of understanding all of this. But but thank goodness we've got Bristol. So let's let's now get into. Let's spend the next half hour uh, on. Okay, so start with how to take the test that, that yeah. that's the easy part and then we'll talk about the results yeah it's simple enough you spit in a tube so if you order your test online we'll send you
0: we'll send you a kit where you can spit in a tube send it back to the lab a few right. weeks later uh, because we need to do all the processing to do the deep sequencing it takes time to get good resolution you receive an email
1: and this email says hey your results are ready uh, let's take a look. Just to be clear, this is available to anyone. You don't have to order this test through a dentist or a physician. Uh, certainly you can, but this is available to everyone. And I recommend whether you want your dentist to order the test because uh, you can bring in the results. Just order the test. And even if you think you're pretty healthy, get a baseline on you know where you are in terms of your oral microbiome. There are a lot of factors that can affect yep. oral microbiome within days. Uh, yep. So anyway, go ahead, David. I would love to talk about the the
0: changes, uh, rapid changes in the oral right. microbiome. Um, yeah. We have a lot of very compelling data about that, and
1: especially uh, in kids. Uh, yes, in yeah. kids. kids are all over the map, and, and put everything in their mouth. One yes. day we'll be testing our kids. I'm big, big fan of that, and I can't exactly. wait for that.
0: Yes, uh, at Bristol, what we try to do is boil down your your entire microbiome, which is you know could be hundreds of species in your mouth, into some easily digestible scores. So we give you a report card. And in this report card, right now, our seven scores, there's potential to expand these later because of the data that we collect. Um, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about the scores individually. Starting with the ones on the right, actually. The, so these are disease related scores. So we have four disease related scores today. The first one is halitosis. Uh, so halitosis is a very common issue. I think some estimates have up to 50 to 70% of people have halitosis and they don't know. Right. Um, if it's not something that is traditionally, you know, diagnosed by, by anyone in particular. You may go to your dentist and say, Hey, I think I'm having trouble with some, some bad breath. Um, and they may or may not help you. Um, right. may not know how to. So this is the halitosis score, so it's a bad breath. Um, the second score is gum inflammation. So, of course, bacteria in your mouth, they can cause periodontal disease and gingivitis, and there are some that are much better at causing gum inflammation than others, and those this score kind of summarizes that. The next is the tooth decay score. So, of course, we all know that streptococcus mutans, strep Bifidobacterium dentium, scardovia wigsiae, these are all very important players in the progression of tooth decay. And people who have them are at much higher risk of of having tooth decay. And the last one that's disease related score is a gut inflammation score. So you may know that bacteria in your mouth, they actually traverse through your stomach and they end up in your gut uh, and they can cause damage. They can cause havoc because they don't always belong there. Um, And this is kind of a multifactorial uh, inflammatory score because people who have high gut inflammation scores, they may not have gut manifestations, and this is because their gut uh, microbiome may may be healthy enough to keep them at bay, but other people who have struggled for a long time with their gut health and have never been able to solve it, they may actually have an issue in their mouth, where the bacteria in their mouth are just seeding constant inflammation in their gut. They can take millions of uh, you know kombuchas a day and still like have have constant issues, and it's possible that it just starts in the mouth and tooth so sensitivity. Are, <laughs> yep, and the From the, the acidic
1: uh, pH, right?
0: Yep. So the, these are our four disease related scores. The other three are health related scores. So these are positive effectors. So disease related, of course, are kind of negative connotation. If the higher the score, the, the worse it is. On the opposite end, we have a commensal score. So commensal bacteria are generally thought of as beneficial bacteria that seed the mouth. And these are very important for a number of reasons. So they, they take up space so that other things can't grow into their space. They actually, they tune your immune system and dampen it. They help to reduce inflammation so they can train your immune system to not be so reactive. Uh, they can also produce metabolites that help you do things like digest food. They can, they can help produce vitamins like, like even the, uh, the microbes in your gut that produce vitamin K. It's very similar in the mouth. And of course they can produce nitrate. They produce or they reduce nitrate into nitrite and nitric oxide. And right. this is a very important factor which is also in the next score uh, so we have a nitrate reduction score because we know now that the bacteria in the mouth they perform a very important function here and so right. they they can actually produce nitric oxide
1: so this is like the introductory page uh you know when i look at these after my patients have taken the Bristol score i, I would like to see all green i don't see uh, the best score i've seen is all green uh, mm-hmm. but typically it's all green with a uh, orange on the mm-hmm. halitosis score And as you said, it's pretty prevalent. It's it's no surprise to me because that's an early, for me as a clinician, it's an early marker for something is wrong with the oral microbiome. Um, And, of course, you can't, you know, before testing, I would try and smell the patient's breath or if the patient complained or if a partner complained. That would be that would lead me into the discussion of of okay well we need to discuss and define for you the oral microbiome um so that's very helpful as a, as a clinician but if if you have all green boxes and you and you're scoring high on halitosis it doesn't mean you're healthy it means that you're kind of teetering on the edge and your oral microbiome is trying to modulate that part of it um, so the halitosis score is important that would lead me back to night nitrate reduction that is a score or a measure of having the right bugs typically it's it's everywhere but on the back of your tongue uh that are able to reduce the nitrites in sorry the nitrates in vegetables uh again eat the rainbow uh um, so that you can produce this incredible gas that lowers your blood pressure we have new studies out now that saying well We've had, we've had studies for a while now saying that mouthwash is killing the bacteria on the back of the tongue, which actually leads to elevated blood pressure. Now we have study, I think more than one on just scraping your tongue can actually lower mm-hmm. your blood pressure. So the nitrate reduction is, is very important. That's an important score. It usually ties in with the halitosis. That's where a lot of the halitosis occurs. Um, when I see the commensal score, that's the first thing I look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a large number of the good guys is great to see. Uh, that means that they're able to, you know, keep down the numbers of the bad guys. Again, it's not this simple, but if that was a low score, then that typically is very a very serious condition. Diversity, I think that is difficult as a clinician to really, uh, and I, I know it is for you as well, and I've heard you say that too much diversity is bad as well. There's this sweet spot of numbers of bugs to each other. And that's why it's so important to measure every single yes. uh, organism in the mouth. Uh, and that's what Bristol does. And so the diversity score is tough. But if you have a low diversity score, that's not a good thing.
0: Both ends of the spectrum are definitely not great. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, just to be clear, we're not going to talk about solutions in this one hour because that would make it two hours. But that's probably the next podcast we'll do, right, David? We'll talk about I just want people, to we, we want people to understand the the test yeah. and to be impressed in, in the proper way by the results. And yeah. uh, so anyway, uh, uh, tooth decay, that's an easy one. Most people look at that first. Uh, that's why I want to test mm-hmm. kids, because I think the parents would really like to know, do they have a predilection to getting decay? And can they do something early on before that happens? Because I've seen uh, parents, Get the news that your kid has five, 10 cavities or even one, and it's devastating. Um, and, um, and so that it would be great to be able to give that information to a parent so that they can prevent it. And then gum inflammation, I I can't wait till we get the Alzheimer's uh, score. (laughs) Uh, and, but for now, I use this as a, as a way to motivate patients, but also to let them know that if that score was high, there is a worry and and a you are pre, that patient is predisposed to Alzheimer's and we can talk about that in the solution uh, part two of, of this episode nice. but but there's a lot of information just on the introductory page here yeah. and this information I, I would argue uh well it's easy to argue because I, I know this because I'm a clinician this is 90 percent more information than you're getting when you see a dentist on a regular basis and it's quantified, and it's scientific, um, and that's why it's so powerful. So whether your dentist recommends testing or not, just get this test, have this in your health folder, your dental health, oral health folder, and give it to your dentist. Um, I think they would be very thankful that you've given this this information to them, and if you have a high cavity score or gum inflammation score, then they know where to go with it. They, they can focus their their protocol their treatment plan on 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 those items so but anyway i know there's way more information but i, I just think that one bit right there is is amazing it's a great start it's just the introductory page yeah uh, i know more is coming you, yeah. you guys are working on more scores and it's going to be the nuances are, are coming although this is already very nuanced yeah so let's dive let's actually dive into one of these scores
0: uh right. so when you uh, what you can you can view your report card and then each of these is interactive where you can you can click on it and jump straight to the page. So this is actually my test from 2021, and my wife complains that I have halitosis all the time, but my gums are perfectly healthy. Like I go to the dentist and they're like, "There's nothing wrong with you." Right. Very annoying. But this objective test tells me, "Hey, it turns out I do have disposition for halitosis. My halitosis score was an 8.5 out of 10, which is very high. In our halitosis score in particular, it tells you kind of." what what bacteria may be contributing to your halitosis and it gives you kind of a type so at bristol we actually we group them into different types the two three most prevalent ones are probably the gum liners so there's bacteria that live in your gums but don't cause inflammation so things like dialyster and and selenomonas bacteria that can produce kind of volatile chemicals that that smell foul there's also the gum inflammatory species of course so usually at least um for most people, gum inflammation comes along with halitosis, and this is because the bacteria that that cause gum inflammation, like *Fusobacterium*, *Tannerella forsythia*, or trepanemas, they cause damage to your gums, and they're they're fermenting the the things that are that they're causing damage to, and and right. uh, this is producing uh, a foul smell. And the last one, or the next most common one, is uh, tongue species. There are tongue coating species that we know live on the tongue, like Solobacterium, atopobium. And these also produce foul-smelling chemicals like uh, hydrogen sulfide, um, and and so those are the three most common groups. Um, and my group is the gum liners because um, of the the makeup of the bacteria that live by, in my mouth.
1: And a lot of that is location uh, in the mouth. Oh, these yeah. little micro niches of the oral microbiome. And every week I I find a new or read about a new micro niche. Uh, but yeah, certainly free margin bacteria are different than in the pocket, than mm-hmm. in the vestibule, than in the back of the mouth or back of the tongue, as opposed to the front of the tongue. And uh, probably based on saliva flow and uh, exposure to oxygen or not. Uh, it, it again, very, very complicated uh, ecosystem in the mouth, but go ahead, sorry. It's an incredible ecosystem. Uh, yeah.
0: and, and the way they all interact too, because saliva of course allows interchange between the different communities. And sometimes you can get invasion of some of the gum bacteria into your tongue. So a lot of people actually have a lot of Fuso on their tongues, yes, yes. uh, and they don't realize uh, right. it's just. And it becomes a reservoir for seeding constant Fuso in, in other places in the body. Right. Um, so uh, these were the results from my test. So uh, here you can see all the bacteria that you have. Uh, that this is the raw data. This is the raw data. Right? Yeah. So and you can read about each of these bacteria so like 10 for forsythia of course pathogen uh, and right. i have this in my mouth at the time of taking the test and it's only present in about 42 percent of all microbiomes uh, mm-hmm. and my score was moderate and this is probably something i needed to work on so right. the way to get right. rid of this of course is uh potentially to floss a little better at the time right. i probably wasn't using a water pick um time right. scraping maybe and tongue scraping, of course, yeah, because a lot of these microbes, so like uh, atopovium parbulum is definitely one that lives on the tongue. Um, and uh, we're working on on actually the, a, little, a little feature here that will describe a little better uh, of, of how to get rid of them and what they're sensitive to. So certain microbes right. are more sensitive to certain probiotics or more sensitive right. to certain products. Um, certain foods. This, yeah, and certain foods. Yep. And this, this right. is a different conversation for probably another podcast, but yep. uh, that's the level of personalization that we can get to using yeah. this, this data. Amazing. And uh, so, yeah, so every score has has something like this, which is a very detailed breakdown of all the bacteria that are related to this condition and the ones that are detected in your mouth. So just for instance, in my mouth for uh, gum inflammatory species, uh, they're pretty low, pretty low levels. Um, so the numbers here are out of 10, um, and usually we rank things from zero to ten based on their their abundance uh, in your mouth, um, and the way that score is derived is actually very interesting. It's it's actually based on uh, a population level. So we actually compare your sample to all the other samples in in the Bristol database, which is I think probably a thousand. It's probably approaching ten thousand, maybe more than ten thousand now. Um, and so that allows us to really determine is like, what does your microbiome look like compared to all these other people who either have disease, don't have disease, um, who had disease at some point in the past and then had a surgery to fix it. You know, we, we have a very uh, large database that allows us to compare across different groups and what your makeup of your microbiome looks like compared to theirs. So you can you can see not only all the microbes that are in your mouth, but also the ones that were undetected. Uh, so we test for a lot of other things that you may not see. And, and you can
1: see those all under each of these scores. And that's, that's, that's not necessarily a good thing. That could be a bad thing because you want be yes. certain bacteria to help knock down some of the ones that you have levels that are too high. Um, I'm, that's another thing that would be great to piece out eventually in these reports like a recommendation, like, okay, you've got an elevated uh, bad bug, undetected good bug. (laughs) This is what would happen. This is how your oral microbiome would improve if you were to elevate those populations of that bug and how to do it. So
0: that kind of gets into the commensal score. So in the commensal score in here, the undetected is very important because these are the ones you kind of want to boost. Like in my mouth, uh, I had no strep and this is kind of important because strep is really good at counteracting strep mutans. Fortunately, right. I don't have any strep mutans, but if it were to be introduced in my mouth, I would be mm. more susceptible to it because I'm right. lacking this. Right. Um, so uh, one of my goals could be to try and boost this. Um, and it turns out that you know certain foods can help to increase this level um, and uh, certain probiotics even can can help to boost this. So that is a pretty good summary of all the all the information you get from just the results section. For people who are more inclined to look at their data in in a way that is a little less structured so that you can explore it for your own, we actually do have this this feature called the raw results table. And the raw results table allows you to do your own exploration. Or your provider. This is my favorite feature, actually. Um, Of course it is, you're a researcher. (laughs) And this is is how I consume the information. Exactly. Um, so if you click on just if you if you look at all the detected microbes in in your mouth uh that's what the raw table is that's what this mm-hmm. raw result is and you can see right. everything um and you can sort them by the relative abundances you can sort them by how how high they are compared to everybody else so just for instance right. i have the highest abundance of haemophilus sputerum* than anybody else in our database well of less than one percent of the people in our database so right. I have a very high level of this. What does that mean for me? I don't really know yet because it's being investigated. Well, from this dashboard, you you don't really know, but I personally know Homophilus butyrum is actually a really good commensal bacteria uh, that can do some, some really cool things. Um, and, uh, it's, it's part of the family of, uh, it's part of the genus of bacteria that can reduce nitrates. And, and this allows you to kind of, Do your own digging and and figure stuff out for your
1: own. Also, if you're a researcher, let's say you're testing products, you're a manufacturer and you want to test the, uh, and I I think Bristol does do testing for, you know, people that are concerned about what is in their oral care products and and other things. Uh, You also, Bristol has come out with the only uh, pre and probiotic that I recommend, their own brand of it because it, you're looking at this degree of data and and yes. there were a lot of bugs that were missing and and I'm sure that is going to branch out and probably have 10 different versions of this because when you look at this data you want to boost certain bugs that that is very you have to selectively feed them mm-hmm. or or knock them down. Um, but it, it's a it's a real puzzle. That before you start unraveling it or applying things solutions to the puzzle, you really need to have all the facts yep. of what you're doing because yeah. you can make things worse potentially, right? Exactly. Um, yep. So
0: there, there are actually so on that point, there are actually a few gut probiotics that that carry potentially cariogenic species in them, mm-hmm. and so th- those are the things that we're trying to avoid. Like right. we're, we're trying to cariogenic yeah. to... meaning. Cause cavity causing. Just to uh, be clear. sorry, yes, I should. There are some products out there. Yes, right. They produce acid uh, from you know fermenting sugars in your mouth, mm-hmm. and they also happen to be able to colonize your tooth
1: surface. So those right. two activities together make them
0: cariogenic.
1: Right, uh, makes them potentially very pathogenic in terms yeah. of cavity c- causing a cavity. And and uh, I mean I, I have been. Asked by so many different manufacturers and I've turned most of them down because I really didn't feel there was a good probiotic out there until now. And again, all all of my decisions on products that I recommend have to be based on some study or form of or degree of scientific research. Uh, And that goes for toothpaste. It goes for so many different things. So this is another great aspect of oral microbiome testing is now we can really re examine. All of our products, the ones that have been causing a lot of damage, most of them have. And then we can start formulating new ones that actually work and help and nourish the oral microbiome.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and that's kind of the way that we approach building products too. It's we right. look at all the data and we say, hey, like it turns out this thing is really beneficial for the vast majority of people. And that's the thing that we should try and make. But the place we haven't gotten to yet is really deep personalization, though. Like, yeah. as you can imagine, the probiotic that we made is probably for the is is a general maintenance probiotic. So it's it's right. really good at helping most people because right. most people have an issue
1: with gum inflammation bacteria.
0: But of course, it's lacking a lot of other things. And
1: that's coming though. It's all coming. And, definitely coming. and just to be clear, this is the most this is the deepest amount of personalization I've seen so far with testing and also raw data. Uh, do me a favor click on uh, let's talk about gut inflammation. Look, that's that's a really interesting one and uh, so Bristol is of course they're not measuring the gut flora but you are able to make uh, these uh, I don't want to use the word assumption these uh, conclusions indirectly because you know about the link between bidirectional between the the gut and and the mouth. So uh, talk talk a little bit about that. A lot of people think that Everything in the mouth that gets swallowed, which is a lot, um, saliva, it's a liter and a half a day, that it all gets destroyed by stomach acids. Uh, Talk talk about that a little bit. And and obviously there is a link and we know some of it does get past the stomach and for a good reason.
0: So I think the estimate now is that you swallow 100 billion bacteria every day
1: Mm -hmm. uh, because
0: you're you're swallowing a liter of your saliva. And uh, a lot of that saliva is carrying bacteria. And it depends, of course, the makeup of the bacteria that are getting into your, into your stomach and, uh, potentially into your gut really depends on what's in your mouth, right? Right. Um, so, uh, turns out that after a lot of research, uh, people have now found, uh, through very detailed experiments with not just, uh, human, human patients, but also in, in mouse models and in in vitro models that if you seed dysbiosis in the mouth, uh, with, several different types of species. So things like Campylobacter or Klebsiella uh, or Fuso or P. gingivalis, that those species actually end up in the gut. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way they get there is really confusing. There's two potential paths. The first is of course, through the stomach and they survive the stomach acid and then they can survive the gut. The the stomach acid doesn't kill 100% of all the bacteria. There's a fraction of them that will get through. And because you're swallowing hundred billion bacteria a day, even 1% is 1 billion individual microbe, right. And once those get through, if there's space for them in the gut, then they can colonize. And the second potential path, which is really interesting, is uh, that the bacteria that cause gum inflammation, uh, they're actually being sampled by your immune system constantly. So mm-hmm. there are dendritic cells and macrophages that are looking at what's in your mouth and they grab those things and sometimes they bring them back and they say, hey, I need to figure out what this is. I'm gonna bring it back to a lymph node. Uh, and so, when it brings it back, actually some of those bacteria apparently survive. Right. They survive yeah. that that translocation. and as they survive, they can duplicate, and somehow uh, they may end up in your gut. But the uh, one of the more compelling pieces of evidence that I've seen is that uh, those bacteria, they don't even have to survive that that, that translocation what happens is the macrophage or the dendritic cell or the, the cell that is sampling this, the the, imu- the immune cell, and mm-hmm. recognizes that this is uh, an invader and it becomes overreactive and it actually trains the rest of the immune system to react to that same pathogen. Right. And it says, this Klebsiella is in a place it's not supposed to be. I need mm-hmm. to attack this all the time. It's almost like an autoimmunity. And now because that Klebsiella has also ended up in your gut somehow uh, uh, by Traversing the the stomach, now every time those uh, every time you swallow in those club end your gut, the same immune systems are, are the your cells are now saying, "Hey, this shouldn't be here. I'm going to attack it all the time. I'm just going to attack,
1: attack, attack," right, and you right. end up with chronic inflammation, um, like in the joints. There's a oral bacterium for rheumatoid arthritis, uh, yep. very and, similar model, and yep. that's you know you don't want to get there, and it's just it's harder to reverse than it is to certainly to, to prevent. So oral microbiome testing will help when it comes to phage therapy, right? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that's, okay. that's my dream.
0: My, okay. my well, dream is the level of personalization down to phages because right. like, it's going to be very personalized.
1: Yeah. Let's do an episode um, on that. That I'm fascinated by that as well. Wouldn't yeah. that be fantastic? Because every person is different, uh, especially when it comes to biomes, but th- that's incredible. So uh, real quick, just to, uh, complete our discussion on the gut raw scores, oh, yeah. give us an idea of what you'd like to see in that column.
0: So this is actually a little bit of a concern. Mine is a 6.1. Um, actually, I used to have a lot of
1: gut issues. You're a new, David, you're a new dad. You, you, you have <laughs> the only excuse you ever need. <laughs> I'm a new dad. Lack um, of sleep, poor diet. So Come on. My right? score
0: is a little high. What I would yeah. like to see for, actually, most people have a score that's below three, three. Uh, it's like 3.3 to zero um okay. and that's relatively healthy that right. that's like a normal microbiome right. Right. um a lot of people are similar to mine where they have a lot of campylobacter or fuso and these can traverse right. of course traverse the gut and they can right. cause inflammation because they're in places they're not supposed to be this this microbe has a lot of information on it campylobacter concisus is because it is associated with ibd and and diarrhea and crohn's disease and yes. as the number of associations, um, and so it's uh, this is this is one that I would like to see much lower,
1: uh, right. which I think I did right.
0: lower in my in my next test.
1: Um, right? Yeah, there's a connection between Crohn's and periodontal disease. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, this the amount of information here. If you go through it as we did, I mean, we've spent at least a half hour on just these results. Uh, there's a lot of information here, and it if it doesn't, you know, I mean, it really. Whether you're a practitioner or a patient, this literally should blow you away. This gives you so much information where you can actually do stuff to to help yourself, and also it prevents you from doing the wrong things or the advice that we've been given. Uh, would be as simple as a mouthwash or or uh, an antibiotic, timing is also crucial. When is the best time? What is the sequence of treatment? Uh, this information is can be life changing. Uh, Typically, I think it would be uh, over over the course of someone's lifetime, because so many people are getting the wrong treatment plan at the dental office. And again, it's 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 not because we're, you know, trying to do the wrong thing. It's because we don't we didn't ever have enough information, but now we do. And so I think we're really kind of at the kind of at the cusp that's a bad word I don't want to use that uh, we're at the crest of a breaking wave here and and finally we're seeing the possibilities of what we can do based on the level of information that we're getting especially as dentists but certainly as a layperson this test is available to you right now I mean you could uh, my my test would come in a few days I would get my results in two weeks that that is an incredible amount of information not just for oral health but also for your overall health and and well-being and even longevity so anything else you want to discuss about data uh I, again I agree with you that is probably my favorite section as well you can just peruse and then and then look up the bugs on the web and yeah you, you know, do and, that. and then and of course it could actually add to more confusion because that's what raw data does I mean yes. to collate all that data so I would stick stick to the home page the introductory page start there and mm-hmm. if you're interested this is this is uh, wonderful information what other scores are you working on that, that you can talk about yeah. what what's what's coming I mean it, to, to bristle the
0: score that I am most actively working on, which is not very active right now, uh, because we have a lot of other features that we'd like to release uh, to improve uh, comprehension of results, but uh, one of the most pressing things is probably thrush, and I would really like to see a fungal score, uh, because it's something that we can, we have a lot of evidence that we can can detect very well, but we don't, we haven't done a lot of work on it lately, but that's the next score that I would like to see, and there's also one more, uh, which is Uh, not so common, but for the people who have the issue, it's a really big problem. And that is burning mouth syndrome. I don't know if uh, your listeners know, if anyone's unfamiliar with burning mouth syndrome, it's this uh, very painful and itchy sensation of Mm -hmm. your gums that is not caused by an etiology that's known. Uh, But it turns out that for a lot of patients, uh, that it is caused by uh, a herpes virus um and that treatment with an anti uh an antiviral for extended period to get rid of it because it takes a long time to get rid of herpes mm-hmm. um actually treats them and and fixes it for good uh, and right. if we can do that for patients like i would love that i would love to help those people
1: that, 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 that would be wonderful um my yeah. patients are very uncomfortable about that you know getting the diagnosis but certainly living with it yeah uh, and it really kind of keeps them away from work and and social uh, events, and and it's painful. It's extremely painful. And hopefully, the antivirals get better. They are hard systemically, especially on the liver. But but at least they're very selective. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you would agree with this, but from what I've read, they are selective enough where because it is a long protocol uh, that it it you can give it to someone and not expect any big change yes. to the bacterial uh, numbers or yep. components of the oral microbiome, but you're absolutely right. Oh, that would be wonderful. That would be fantastic. And a lot of dentists just recommend swishing with salt water and, and just, you know, getting through it. But if they would understand that it is related to a specific, you know, bad boy, mm-hmm. bug, virus, uh, then I think that would help them change their protocol and treatment plans. And it would make a lot of patients a lot happier. Um absolutely. That's wonderful. Anything else? Uh?
0: Yeah, I'm just going to add. Uh, so something else that you always get from your um, your results is is a care plan. And a care plan is specifically tailored to you based on your results. And mm. it has different recommendations that we make based on what we found in your microbiome. We're not going to talk about them today. But the one thing I will say is... Because this is a lot of information, it's it's a lot to understand and take in. And of course, uh, as a lay person, it's really difficult for you to look up all the bugs and, and say uh, what you should do next. We do have this very important feature, which is that you can talk to a health coach, an oral health coach who is well-versed in the oral microbiome. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you schedule this is actually with me, and sometimes when you schedule this with the man or with one of our other talented coaches like Heather or, or Charity, they are great. Uh, and they are a resource, uh, as well on top of all the information that we provide. They have uh, years of experience in, in dental hygiene. And now that they've been trained with the oral microbiome and putting them together is it's like magic.
1: That is by far the, the best thing we've said in the last hour here. What, what a privilege to be able to talk with you or Iman. She's wonderful. Uh, and anyone that has knowledge of the oral microbiome talk about customization and kind of a, just a fresh look. A, a, a lot of patients, I would say, the majority of dental patients, because of the nature of how we treat them in our profession, uh, unfortunately, are confused as well as the practitioners. They, they're they're doing deep cleanings, uh, scale and root cleanings. They're doing uh, periodontal surgeries, uh, and, and and at best, we're trying to arrest uh, a chronic disease which has systemic uh implications and and i would say to anyone that that sounds familiar to or gets a lot of cavities every 6 months or even every year get this test get this this degree of customization on coaching while it lasts right i mean you know yeah. as as the numbers increase of people testing this this is going to be more difficult for you to provide um is there any Quite a long wait. I think the a earliest you can look lit. out right now, is like three yeah. three weeks maybe. Yeah. Right. Which is totally worth it. Um, my, my wife, who is in healthcare, was in the healthcare field as well. And in uh, biotech, uh, she was very impressed with the coaching. And it, it really is an impressive feature that we don't talk enough about. But we are going to do that. We are going to talk about, we've talked about interpreting the results, how to get the test, That'll be part one. Part two, I'd love to spend an hour on all the things you can do. I'll I'll get some questions together, perhaps some, maybe a specific case, an interesting case that we could all learn from. And then there's so many things that you can do, even without seeing your dentist. Certainly you would want to see your dentist, but it's important that what's happening, what's being done at the dentist is something that is based on this this data and uh, otherwise you could just be spinning your wheels and and your pocketbook so so uh david this is I- incredible this is one of the biggest shifts in dental care that i've seen in my 40 years of of dentistry uh and I would say it's the most significant. And I'm so pleased that this is now available to the profession. It's going to make us all better. It's going to make our patients healthier and happier. So whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. It's, it's, it's great stuff. And again, oral microbiome, just, just the advent of, of knowing and measuring it and being able to quantify it is going to change healthcare. I think, and beyond just oral health. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of influencers, Dr. Perlmutter, for example. Uh, he was very excited that this was available. He's uh, on the cutting edge on research and and comprehension of how bugs in the mouth uh, can, can lead to Alzheimer's, for example, that can harm the brain. Uh, and this is stuff we can intervene uh, at an early age, um, uh, also being able to, I, I say this often, but I only say it in the context of bristle because we it allows us as a patient to be aware of and as a practitioner to actually do something about it to treat in a pro prodromal phase of disease. In other words, no symptoms have appeared, but because we're able to test at at this degree of resolution, uh, uh, and this is why you should test even if you think everything's fine. Even if your dentist thinks everything is fine, test because things will pop up where if you treat in that pre-symptom, symptomology stage of disease, uh, it, it radically is different, cheaper, uh, more effective, better outcome, um, and, and less painful in, 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 in some cases so so uh yeah and and less exposure to pharmaceuticals and medications uh, resetting the oral microbiome a very dysbiotic microbiome is a big deal and it takes time and it means using very strong bactericidal mouthwashes and and it, it doesn't always work i mean it's it's mm-hmm. uh it's kind of hit and miss even though we have all this information it's less hit and miss than it was uh, before the days of testing so again what bristol is doing is is changing not just dental care but uh, uh healthcare uh overall big picture it's wonderful um anything else you want to add david we're certainly going to talk hopefully soon about the next step it's like okay you we hopefully we've explained well enough uh how to get the test uh uh how to how to find the results interpret them What's the next stage? And we touched on it a little bit with the care plan, uh, but there's lots to discuss. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? Uh, we believe a lot in prevention, and that's the goal
0: of the test, is really to prevent the onset of any irreversible disease like a cavity, uh, right. and when expensive, and I personally just really don't like them. Um,
1: yeah. And so I use the test to right. yeah. avoid that altogether. Right. And, and how comforting to know that with all this information, your next dental visit will be much different than than yeah. perhaps what it has been in the past. So so win-win for both practitioners. Uh we don't like being the bad guys. Uh we want your 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 visits to be uh, enjoyable and and productive. Certainly. Um so anyway, thank you so much for your time, David. I know you're very busy. Um uh we'll talk about how to reset. In some cases, reset your oral microbiome yeah, next time. And, yeah. and 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 if it's if it's just a mild case of of dysbiosis, uh, you know what what little things, uh, easy things you can do to uh, to uh, to reverse that and to get to a commensal, a symbiotic uh, state. Again, thank you so much for your time, David. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. That was great. Yeah, see you soon. Thanks for listening to Ask the Dentist. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Mike Fry. Drop me a line at mark at askthedentist.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app. Thanks for listening and especially for taking an interest in oral health.
0: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com slash directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained,
1: is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.